So guess what? What? So I'm in rehearsals for Lempika at La Jolla Playhouse. Right. And one of the crew guys comes up to me and he says, hey, there is a woman on the crew who is a big fan of your podcast and she wants <gasps> to say hello to you. And I was like, tell her to come say hello to me. So Stop. I went on a break. I went to go get a um, a soda and she was like, hey, hey, I'm a fan of the podcast. And I was like, oh, my God, I heard about you. So someone on our crew is a DB. I'm so excited. And of course, I'm. it's been a long day. We did a full run of the show, full rehearsal and all that. And so now I'm blanking on her name because I'm an asshole. But I was like so excited. So the takeaway is there are down bitches in San Diego and you're an asshole. Basically. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Marsh. We love meeting DBs in the wild. That is so sweet. Well, now you're a monster and you're going to learn her name tomorrow. And then you're going to be like, well, on the podcast, I'm going to say your name escaped me. But tell her that you are a pothead and you are an asshole. Well, so it's like both. And and I am do. I have two full-time jobs right now. So I, uh-huh. think, I've, I think I earn a little bit of grace for myself. I mean, I, I have three. You know... You know what I'm gonna say, and I don't. I'm. I'm. It just. I mean. I guess it bears repeating. <laughs> Everyone's. Everyone say it with him in the blank space. Ready? You're not better than me. Okay, they said it with you. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Well, everyone, if you would like a little more Joey and I, please join us on the Drama Club. That is our Patreon. That is where we do all of our bonus episodes plus ad-free episodes. And we add you on our close friend circle. If you want to hear ad-free episodes of Snap, See No Evil, Evil Lives Here, Fry Thy Neighbor, Who the Bleep Did I Marry, and of course, the camp of all camp, Pink Collar Cries, please go to our website, click the Patreon link. We would love to have you twice a week. What? That sounds weird. It's fine. (laughs) Pink Collar Crimes, I'm telling you, if you're not on the Patreon, (laughs) you are missing out. Pink Collar Crimes is a fucking hoot. Yeah, I'm going to be real, real sad. There's only one season of it, and we're doing all eight episodes, and then it's going to be a sad day. We're going to have a tip of 40 to the memory of Pink Collar Crimes. Shall we do the episode? Let's do it, baby. Season 8, Episode 4, On a Mission, tells the story of the disappearance of Elizabeth Salgado. A beautiful young woman moves to the U.S. for a better life. We just really got excited for her in her adventure of moving to a new country. But in a mere matter of weeks, she simply vanishes. I went to her apartment and knocked the door. Nothing. I don't think she ever made it back home. America's best-known abduction survivor, Elizabeth Smart, steps into the spotlight to raise awareness. I do believe that she's alive, and I do believe we can find her. In this mystery, where clues are sparse, I've seen if it's closed or something. investigators are stumped. I don't have a crime scene. I don't have any evidence. And a religious family's faith is put to the ultimate test. Investigators try to determine who was left for dead. No, no, this is not happening. So here we are on Thursday, April 16th, 2015 in Provo, Utah. Utah, we are in you again. <laughs> like, Utah, why are you trying to compete with Florida right now? Like, you look desperate. We've had a couple too many episodes that take place in Utah lately. Yeah, Utah's like, see me, yeah. feel me. <laughs> Touch me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Who's Tommy reference for any of you non-musical theater nerds. They should 
know that that is Patricia's favorite musical of all time. He's talked about it several, several times. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that, yeah. but it is a good one. Thursday, April 16th, 2015. It's midday in Provo, Utah, and class is in full swing in this college town, home to Brigham Young University. Just a few minutes away from BYU's bustling campus, 26-year-old Elizabeth Salgado is finishing up school for the week at a language center. So we're in a college town. It's home to Brigham Young University, where our good friend Paul Kanan went to school. Paul yes. is also a DB. Hi, Paul. Paul is one of our <laughs> biggest listeners. We love you, Paul. <laughs> Paul was in the original company of Kinky Boots with us, and he's got a shit ton of really good BYU stories. Yeah. Lots of religious trauma to go around for everyone. To boots. You know, it's, it's so fun. We have really great parties. Yeah. A lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of kumbaya and drugs. So we're introduced to Elizabeth Salgado, who has just moved to Provo to study English at a language school. Right. And it's a school right near BYU, which is Brigham Young University. And we meet Maggie Smith for the first and only time. She said that, you know, Elizabeth moved to Utah from Mexico. Her native language is Spanish, but she's trying to master English. But she actually only moved to Provo with a couple of words. Now, Oh, English is such a hard language to learn. How do you even comprehend getting used to all the complexities and exceptions to all the rules in English? Like, do you know what word has the most definitions in the English language? Oh, God, no. Set. The word set has 430 definitions. You set the thermostat to seven degrees. You set a date for a party. You set a good example, a set of keys, set the record straight, set somebody aside. You work on a film set, set off a car alarm. You have your heart set on a new car. I mean, it's insane. Wow. You just Google, you Google that? No, I just know that. Anybody <laughs> learning the English language should have unlimited McDonald's fries and free weed. My hat's I off can't, to you. You know, the thing is, is that you have this bit where you lie to me so much that I never know if you're oh, telling no. me the truth. No, no, no. That's real. Literally Google it right now. I, Say I, what? I don't want what? to. You, t you, okay. you telling me the truth? <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. We can move on. Okay. All right. Well, you heard it right here from Ellen Marsh. Set has how many how many definitions? 430 definitions. You know what phrase has only one definition? I don't trust you anymore. Anyway, so... <laughs> she sets off on the two-mile walk back to her apartment on this comfortably cool, sunny afternoon. Everything's still quite new for Elizabeth, who moved to Provo just three weeks earlier, and she's taking it all in. When she arrived, she was very happy. When she arrived... She thought everything was great. So it's a beautiful day. Elizabeth is walking home to her apartment, which is two miles away from the language school that she attends. Two miles is a long walk. That's a long walk. Especially, I mean, it's not winter now. It's April. But I'm thinking April in Utah's cold. Yeah, I'm thinking it's pretty cold. But yeah. So we meet her mother, whose name is Libertad Salgado. And she says Elizabeth was very happy to be there and very excited. Yeah. And now Libertad and a lot of Elizabeth's family is speaking Spanish and we're getting the English translation over it, except for her two uncles who have lived in Provo for 14 to 16 years. One of them, 14 years, one of them, 16 yeah. years. Now, her uncle is here. Her uncle Rosenberg is here. 
And now her family, her parents and six siblings are still in Mexico. Now listen to this. Elizabeth is a down bitch. Before coming to Utah, she graduated from a Mexican university with a degree in industrial engineering. I don't know what that is, but it sounds hard. It does sound hard. It sounds like math. And me and math don't get along too well. Yeah, no, I know. And you and a lot of parts of the English language as well. Who hurts you today? I'm here to support (laughs) you. I'm here to help you. you out with this podcast. Oh, okay. I love it when you get that high pitched, like real, like, you know, pingy ping. Okay. <laughs> well, you. English is hard for me and you have terrible taste in men. Potato, patata. Okay. So. <laughs> her father, Julio, is a communications and electronics engineer. And her mom, Libertad, is a chemical engineer. She was always a role model to her siblings. She was always studying without me having to tell her. She always had good grades. She was always on the honor roll in her school. Elizabeth was a good kid. She did her homework. She was a good example to her siblings. She wanted to be the best she could be. So Elizabeth's plan was to get her master's in engineering in Mexico. But right now she's focused on her faith which is Mormonism. Right. Her family converted to LDS in 2004. And in May 2013, she went on her year and a half long mission. So when she returned home after her mission, she set out to learn English because she felt it would help her reach more people about her faith. Right. And her two goals were learning English and she just wanted to be around more Mormons. And obviously, listen, if you want to be around more Mormons, you should go to Provo because it's 82% Mormon. So if you're Mormon and you're looking for some pals, shoot on over to Provo. Baby, you go to the zoo to hang out with monkeys. You hang out at Zara to be around homosexuals. And you move to Utah to rub elbows with Mormons. Utah is the Mecca of Mormons. She said that it was a safe city, that she had done some research. It's a city of Mormons, well, you can imagine, where there are no vices, there's no mess or evil thoughts. So, well, since we are part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we gave her permission to go there. Libertad explains that Elizabeth had kind of like convinced her family it was a safe city. Now, I looked it up. The total crime rate in Provo is about 31% below the national average. And in violent crime, it was about 70% below the national average. Now, those are great statistics. But just because crime is a little bit lower doesn't mean there's no crime. So, yeah, I called the Provo Police Department. Shut (laughs) up, Yoan. Of course you did. Well, I wanted to understand a little bit more. And they were very nice, very confused by me. I got transferred several times. (laughs) Like, I feel like they really thought I was up to no good. I was like, do you guys want to call me a buzzard? (laughs) I wanted to understand those numbers. 70% below the average. That's a really high number. So basically, someone kind of spilled the non-caffeinated beverage, you know, because Mormons can't have caffeine. Oh, God. So it wasn't like you know, they couldn't spill tea, so they spilled, like, <laughs> lemonade. Now, he said something really interesting to me. He said, some things aren't reported because a lot of Mormons are instructed to report something like, let's say, you know, uh, yes. domestic violence or something to their bishop. Yep. Now, a bishop is like the leader of a ward or like a con- another word for a congregation. 
So those numbers might be a little wonka-doodle. You think? I mean, it's a way yeah. to control the narrative. They're, they're, yeah. Listen, those Mormons are no dummies. They understand. Yeah. Like, they keep it in the house. Keep it. Keep yeah. the mess in the house. Yeah, the calls are definitely coming from inside the house. But uh, what's up, Provo Police? I mean, we, we had a good 45 minutes there today. It was really fun. <laughs> wow. I learned a lot. I have an invitation for Easter next I'm year. I'm sure great. you do. <laughs> so Mom Libertad says, look... Provo is a city of Mormons, so you can imagine there's no vices, no mess, or evil thoughts. Okay, so All right. those are her words. Those are her exact words. Yeah. So I just want to stop here for a second and say, obviously, we want to uplift victims and their families, but I have to say that this idea, it's very naive, and it mm-hmm. can be dangerous because it touches on a much larger ideology. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The world is messy. Yeah. Humanity is messy, and that's okay We all have to take risks in life. Sometimes those risks work out. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're messy and then you clean it up. But most of the time, the lesson is in the mess. Personal growth is in the mess. So this idea that you have to make the right choice every single time to avoid mess, it's it's like you're saying essentially you have to move through the world perfectly and it's not realistic because perfection is not a realistic goal. It's it's not right. an obtainable goal. Yeah. And, and it's the pursuit of perfection that actually stifles your empathy. So all that said, thank you. I'm going to step off my soapbox in a second. Yeah. No, I love your soapbox. And I am like Marie Kondo. I love mess. <laughs> Remember when she said that? She's like, I love mess. I was like, bitch, come to my house. And by my house, I mean my emotional baggage. <laughs> she was placed with three roommates, none of whom spoke Spanish. But she quickly learned that they had larger barriers than language. She said, Mom, I want to move to another apartment because I don't like my roommate's habits. They always bring people over, and also they're not clean. So she moved there with three roommates. Now, that's a lot of roommates. That's a lot of roommates. I only have one roommate. I've had the same roommate for like 12 years. Never fucking paid rent. (laughs) Sucked on my Grand Tetons for like a year. Like, the boundaries are out of control. (laughs) Like, truly. The challenges of living with the roommate are vast. I hear you only have a few more years with that roommate before she goes away. I will absolutely kick her out in like four to five years, for sure. (laughs) Well, it turns out that her roommates, she didn't care for them too much because they were super messy. They had people all over the time. They weren't very friendly. They didn't really go out of their way to get to know her. Yeah. Also, she didn't want to live with them. She called her mom and she's like, Mom, it's disgusting here. I don't want to live with these people anymore. I don't blame her. Right. I don't blame her. I mean, when I went to college, didn't they give you a questionnaire? They asked you questions like, are you on the messier side or the tidier side? Are you a night owl or a morning person? Do you watch murder documentaries to relax from the pain of the world? You know, those (laughs) kinds of questions. Because some personalities don't click. Now, they didn't speak Spanish, which I could imagine would have also been very isolating. But, you know, she can't, you know, blame people, you know, for not speaking the language. But it just wasn't a good fit. So after 10 days, she moved. And I say good for you for knowing that a situation doesn't serve you and getting out of it, you know? I support it. I fully support it. So she moves out and uh, she changes apartments. But unfortunately, the language barrier is still a problem because her roommates are Korean. So basically, Elizabeth is just chilling in her room by herself a lot. But she didn't mind because she was like, listen, I can pray, I can meditate, I can read the Bible. That's that's what made her happy. So, you know, good for you, Elizabeth. Yeah. And she also, outside of her home, she did have a lot of friends in the LDS community. And a lot of them did speak Spanish because a lot of Mormon missions go to Spanish speaking countries and they would practice their Spanish with her and she would practice their English with them. 
So that kind of made a really good space for her. Yeah. My sister was very beautiful. Her beauty could not be ignored. She was very beautiful inside and spiritually as well. There were definitely a few guys that tried to talk to her as much as they could. She's a very humble individual. She just felt flattered that these uh, quote-unquote American boys wanted to talk to her. Now, they go on to the show to say how beautiful she was. You know, she had long, beautiful hair. She had beautiful skin. She was. She was stunning. Gorgeous. And she was always very flattered when anyone flirted with her. And they said, especially, quote, American boys. I think that, you know, made her feel good about herself. And I believe it was Charles Dickens that said, um... American men ain't shit. <laughs> or maybe it was just men ain't shit. I can't, I'm going to have to go back to my, God. my my notes. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, it's mostly because, you know, their lack of culture, lack of ambition, and as you said, hygiene. <laughs> so, why are they so gross? Oh, God, this is going to be a long episode. You and I have so much to say. <laughs> They'd invite her to go out. They'd invite her to the movies to take her to dances, but she never accepted. Soon after arriving, Elizabeth takes a job waiting tables at a local Mexican restaurant. I said to her, well, I don't want you to work. But she said, Mom, I like it because I can practice my English with the customers, and it's not far from home. She got a job very quickly waiting tables at a local Mexican restaurant. Which was also my serving job. Hello, I hooked up with the line cook, Luis. He was super hot. Are you serious? Absolutely. I worked at the cantina, and I absolutely hooked up with a line cook named Luis, and he absolutely was very hot. Wait a minute. I worked at a restaurant in the French Quarter. Uh-huh. Are you serious, though? Or are you lying to me? Hand. I, I swear. Now you're not going to believe anything I no, say. No, yes. You see what you've done to us? I know. You're right. I've really, you're really broken. Uh, you I had bro- no idea you, you were me. so broken. So I worked at a steakhouse in the French Quarter, and um, I hooked up with a dishwasher who was fresh out of prison when I was 20 years old. I'm dead-ass serious. He probably really needed some cuddles. He probably he was so sweet. Yeah. Listen, every, everybody needs a little, a little meat packing. Oh, no, you're done. You're absolutely done. Patrick, (laughs) is this what you meant by shortening the episodes? Is this what you meant here? (laughs) She was missing us a lot, and she'd say, I love you, my brothers and sisters, dad, mom. I miss you guys. We talked with my sister every day. My sister was my best friend. We used to go everywhere together, and we always told everything to each other. Elizabeth's brother is here. He also speaks Spanish. And he's the one who tells us she was a little homesick. She was happy to be there. But this family kept in constant contact. We're talking two to three, sometimes four calls a day. Honey, those long distance charges. Honey, but maybe Those cell phone companies are not messing around. I hope she had a good long distance plan. I'm sure she had a good plan, babe. Okay. All All right. right. Okay. On that cool spring afternoon, Elizabeth finishes up her class for the week. She doesn't have a car or even a driver's license, but she doesn't seem to mind the 30-minute walk home. The two-mile route is safe, especially at 1.30 in the afternoon, as it takes her along some of the busiest roads in the city of Provo. Elizabeth finishes up her class that day. She's making the two-mile walk. She doesn't have a car, and she doesn't have her driver's license, but it's 1.30 in the afternoon. The route she takes is very busy. There's a lot of traffic, so there's really no need for her to worry. You know, the plan was for her uncle to pick her up later that night at 5 p.m. to take her to Walmart for groceries. Right. And she had been texting her sister, Sarah, as soon as she got out. Now, Sarah does say her texts seem short 
and cold. So they were like a little curious. And then after like one text back, they noticed that she hadn't read her message. Because you know how on WhatsApp they were using WhatsApp? Yeah. You know, it makes that. Uh, the double check makes mark. That, yeah, the double check mark. So they were like, mm, that's weird. Now, her uncle shows up at her door at 5 p.m. Like he said he was going to take her shopping. No answer. He waits five minutes, which is actually a very long time. <laughs> like five minutes of knocking. Sure. That's a long time. Yeah. And so he was like, wait, she was done at 1.30. She definitely should have been home. She doesn't have a car. He calls her cell, and it goes straight to voicemail. And, honey, uh, this uncle went to Down Bitch University with with a minor in Not Today, baby. Because he went to Walmart (laughs) thinking that maybe she went with someone else, and he literally checked the store aisle by aisle to try and find her because he's like, this is not her. Yeah. And then he thinks of all these scenarios. We see it all the time. He's like, you know, maybe she was busy with her church friends and something came up and she forgot to text. And I get that, but I also would like text, bro. I would just like send someone like yeah, 20 texts. Of course. You know? So the next morning, Elizabeth's mom, Libertad, wakes up. You know, she's in Mexico and she didn't have a good morning text. Now, remember, they this family never went a couple of hours without being in some kind of contact with her. So Mama Libertad calls her brother Rudy, who's in Provo, and she is freaking out. I said, please, can you help me find her as soon as possible? I said, go to her school immediately. Rudy heads to the school, but there are no classes on Fridays. A staff member suggests that Elizabeth might have just left for the weekend. He told me, so why are you worried? So he goes to her school, even though they don't have classes on Fridays, and he yeah. speaks with a member of the staff, and the staff member says, listen, I don't know why you're worried. She probably went away for the weekend. Apparently, the staff member was like, maybe she went to Vegas for the weekend with a friend. She'll be back Monday. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know too many Mormons who are hanging out on the Vegas Strip gambling and buying tickets to see Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, it's like, how many times can you watch the Bellagio Fountains? <laughs> we talk about Vegas a lot. People love Vegas. Yeah, not for me. It's no, not for it's me. It's too dry and I want to keep my money. Yeah. Live your life. Do whatever you want to do. Snuff for me. No, I will start a fire between my legs with my thighs rubbing. I don't need that. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. That's our podcast. Thanks so much. <laughs> so Uncle Rudy goes back to the apartment complex and speaks with Elizabeth's roommates. But the thing is, they don't know her well. And they've been yeah. super busy with finals, so they don't have a fucking clue. Right. Feeling even more troubled, Libertad recruits Elizabeth's uncle Rosenberg, who has moved from Provo to California, to help find her. I called the restaurant and said, is Elizabeth there? And then the lady said, no. Was she supposed to be working there? She said, yes. Did she call you to let you know that she was going to be late? She says, no. And I said, no, no, no. Something is going on. So Uncle Rosenberg gets involved. He calls the restaurant and is like, is Elizabeth there? And this poor restaurant has already gotten like a couple calls from everyone. They're like, no, but is she okay? (laughs) Right. And Libertad is like, she was kidnapped. She's, you know, and poor thing. She's hysterical. I know. She's in another country. She doesn't speak the language. You know, that is scary. That must be really scary. So the family is convinced that something bad has happened. And the police are like, ma'am, this is a Mormon place. Bad things don't happen here. Yeah, that's when we meet Detective Darren Ringle with a handlebar mustache that I'm truly offended by. Listen, I know I'm always saying, live your best life, do you, do what makes you happy. 
I do have an exception to that rule, and it is a handlebar mustache. I am so sorry. When it comes to facial hair, uh, I mustache you a question. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Detective Darren is like, you know, every once in a while we have a missing college student who most of the time ends up being out of town, not missing. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Doesn't matter if that's usually the case. Yeah. This is your literal fucking job to investigate and ensure that the missing person is indeed not missing. Yes, please just do it. So they go to her apartment. Obviously, no one is there. They try and get in touch with her. And I imagine the family's like, hey, bro, we we did all this already. Yeah, thank you. We went to her job. We combed the Walmart. Could you do the thing that makes the police the police and go one step further from what we already <laughs> fucking did? The following day, police return to Elizabeth's apartment building. They check in with her first set of roommates, as well as the current group but no one has seen her for the past three days. That day that she went missing, they don't remember her ever coming home. Next, police check Elizabeth's bank account. There's no activity on bank accounts. We still haven't heard from her, can't ping her phone. So at this point, things start getting a little more suspicious. Oh, this poor family. So they they look at her bank account. There's absolutely no bank activity. Now, this poor family is 2,000 miles away, and they need a visa to come into the country. So they apply for an emergency visa, and they have to fucking wait. And she's been missing for three days at this point. Yeah. Three days. So now her uncle explains that there was a guy at her school who wanted to be her boyfriend, and Elizabeth told her uncle that... You know, when she rejected him, he got upset and he said he was very uh, aggressive towards her. And this is because little boys have gotten away with uncontrolled expressions of anger and fucking frustration. And then society minimizes that fucking behavior and chalks it up to like, boys will be boys. Oh, that's just how men are. Please, when men don't get their way, a play in 47 acts. Like, <laughs> Now listen, don't make me defend men, please. I know I am one, but don't make me defend them. I will say that there is something in this country where men are raised to not talk about their feelings or deal with their emotions. They're like, suck it up, man it up, walk it off. And because of that, they all become emotionally stunted and they do not know how to manage their feelings. And to that, I say... Call your therapist. Please call your therapist because at some point you have to assume responsibility for your emotional baggage and damage. But like, call your therapist. Yeah. So Detective Hulk Hogan Stash finds this student (laughs) and wherever he and questions him. And this guy is like cooperative and lets him look through his stuff in his apartment and everything checks out and points to the fact that he was at school that day. Yeah. And so they were like, they went back to like, uh, should we? Should we talk about the Vegas thing again? Like, maybe she maybe she really, really wanted to go to Vegas? I'm like, can we let go of this theory already? It doesn't pan out. She didn't go to fucking Vegas. She didn't go to Lollapalooza, fool. Something is wrong here. She's, yeah. she's not living it up in fucking Boca Raton. Yeah. Did you try Coachella? <laughs> I hear she really wanted to go to Coachella. <laughs> no, babe, she's not at Coachella. Yeah. When Monday rolls around, Detective Ringle is still holding out a slim hope that Elizabeth might have left town for the weekend without telling anyone. We immediately went over to see if Elizabeth had showed up to school. But she wasn't in class. Then my concerns become greater. He questions the students in her class and gets some crucial details. 
So they go back to the school on Monday and they ask, you know, a bunch of students questions. They get an idea of what she was wearing. Now, they're describing what she was wearing. Blue jeans, a reddish shirt with a belly jean jacket with long sleeves. They knew she was wearing really tall boots. She had a denim handbag that she carried her books in that had a red strap on it. Now, a lot of times I watch this show with the subtitles on, and this time I actually did not. So I'm obviously taking notes, and I hear him say... That had a red strap on it. Okay, did did that... What did that sound like to you? A red strap on? Yeah, play it again! <laughs> had a red strap on it. Listen, I, I literally stopped in my tracks. I want everyone to live their lives the way they want to live their lives. But I was very, very confused. And I learned it's something we learn in acting. Don't swallow the ends of your sentences, Detective Horseshoe Mustache. Because it sounded like it said she had a red strap on. Which, honey, if you do, I am absolutely fine with that. But methinks that Elizabeth wasn't walking around Provo, Utah with a red strap on yeah, in her hand. Don't swallow that consonant. Bite into it, baby. <laughs> But you know what? God forbid you were to disappear or anything were to happen to you, Yellen, because I, I, I don't wish that. I toy, toy, toy over my shoulder. But truthfully, you would not be hard to track down just by your clothes alone because I would be like, yeah, look like someone who's dressed like they've been on the Oregon Trail for a while. You can't miss her. Yeah, look for that. <laughs> I have cute clothes. Does she look? Maybe she looks like she's been in the wild, wild west. She's about to be in a gunfight. Look for that. You'll find I don't her. take my style cues from you. You wore a pearl necklace the other day. First of all, pearl necklaces are in for men. You should see him clapping his hands in no, front well, of me. No, well, you obviously don't know that. You're not on Grinder. You don't know these things. <laughs> anyway. We know on April 16th that she left school at 1.30. At this intersection, there was a group of students that saw her turning and heading west here on 100 north heading to four towards 500 west this was the last street that she was seen on heading this way to this uh, intersection and this will take her almost directly back to her uh, apartment complex so they go and they check her route that she would have taken home and they check you know all the businesses for the security cameras to see if any of them were facing the street turns out one of them does it was a hospital called utah valley hospital Unfortunately, when they looked at the footage, it was actually moved and pointing to the construction that was going on in the hospital. So nothing was facing the sidewalk or the street. I'm like, what is even the fucking point? Why is it that security cameras rarely provide security? Can somebody yeah. help me with that? We did a whole TV show on it. We did a whole Patreon series on it. Sometimes it does. Sometimes they, um, some of those Ceno Evil episodes were wild. But most of the time, they're like broken, have been taped over, or they don't work. Right. They're like, I'm sorry, I taped my shows over it. <laughs> So now a familiar face is here. Elizabeth Smart is here. She's actually on the episode and she puts her attention towards this case. We hear some of the background information that we all know about Elizabeth Smart, you know, about how she was kidnapped. But yeah. she was saying the main thing that helped her be found because she was spotted by people was because at the time her face was on TV so much. So much. And the family and the media was keeping her so 
her wish for Elizabeth Delgado was that the same amount of people would rally around the story because that's how she was found. Yeah, they kept her in the public eye. You know, they have this press conference and it's also to help, you know, obviously to get Elizabeth's face out there, but also to get volunteers for a search effort happening the next day. And over 300 people show up for the search. Yeah. And they we see these speeches given by the Smart family and a really heartfelt speech by her uncle Rudy, which absolutely breaks my heart. In our family, we're very worried about her that she's in a dangerous situation. We can't sleep. We can't eat. We can't keep going with our lives. So then they say something really weird. They say how they have a person of interest, but they don't know his name. Yeah. They've just seen him around. So they're like, if you guys could help us out, we're just going to put an APB out for a weird guy. And I'm like, I mean, I'll send you 100 pictures because pretty much any guy who's, you know, got a mustache or drives a Camaro is going to ping on my radar as weird. (laughs) So, yeah, it was just it was very weird. It was like it was so nonspecific. It was. But then we get a little more details. Turns out it was a construction worker who was a regular at the restaurant Elizabeth worked at. And he had become infatuated with her, said things like, just stop working here and I'll take care of you. I'll do anything for you. I'd be like. Do anything for me, huh? How about you leave me the fuck alone and take no for an answer, you dingleberry magnet? Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I mean, men, if she says no, don't get weird, don't get offended, don't get mad, don't act out, just why? Like, anyway, it wasn't him. His alibi checked out. Yeah. But still, despite my monologue, for every creepy guy that's out there, there is 10 more creepy guys. But that doesn't make them... (laughs) Murderers. I mean, some men behave badly. Most men behave badly. And some men have no respect for women and they can't control their misogynistic urges. But if every man who harassed a woman and thought they deserved a bigger place in their lives and tried to do that with force was a murderer, we'd have no more people. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, just because he was creepy and rude and, and overstepped his boundaries doesn't mean, you know. So. You and I are so cynical at times it's not even funny <laughs> people are gonna be like she hates men she's a man hater <laughs> i don't hate it. men i love you <laughs> i just want to play danity kane because my heart is damaged, damaged. <laughs> wait i actually have a funny story there's this guy who's in bedwetter with me he's lovely his name's darren he plays sarah's dad and he cracks me up and we were talking and he goes, so like, you're never going to get married again. I was like, no. And he was like, and he was like, so you're, you're like, you, you've been like burned. I'm like, oh, I am broken. I am. <laughs> and he was like, really? I'm like, oh yeah. Beyond repair. Beyond repair. No crazy glue in the world can put this back together. <laughs> Hello Fresh is here. What are we doing? <laughs> okay. I also just want to say here for the record, we joke about this, but you are not a broken person. You I'm are not. not broken. I'm not. I just think that. I don't appreciate men acting badly. Listen, I'll call out a woman if she's acting badly, too. It just happens more with men. You and I just have some battle wounds. That's okay. No, (laughs) I should say battle wounds. We have some battle scars, but that's all right. We're doing just fine. Anyway, better help. Uh, So. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Elizabeth's family in Mexico is still struggling to get permission to enter the U.S. I would give anything to go to the U.S. because she went missing there. That's our focus because that's where my daughter Elizabeth went missing. 
Having your daughter missing is the most painful feeling in the world. Basically, it was a nightmare to be able to go on with the process, for my family to be able to come and look for my niece. It was very hard. Meanwhile, Elizabeth's family is struggling to get to the U.S., right? They, I mean, this whole thing is so tragic. They are terrified for Elizabeth. And this process of getting the visa is a nightmare. But fortunately, the Salt Lake City Mexican consulate helps expedite their emergency humanitarian visa request. And on April 29th, 13 days. After Elizabeth went missing, the family is finally able to get to Provo. Which is not fast enough. No. That is not fucking fast enough. Can someone call or email someone and get this poor family on a fucking plane? What was the actual holdup? Were we hand-delivering this shit? I mean... Their child is missing. Their baby is 13 days? Oh, honey. Come on. Several balls were dropped. We see it not in the fun way. We see news footage of the family in Provo, and they're pleading in a press conference. They're crying. They're wearing T-shirts with her face. And it should be said, again, they don't speak English. Their ability to communicate their needs and their desires were somewhat limited. You know, obviously there were, you know, translators and things. But to communicate with police and organizers and volunteers, I could imagine would be quite overwhelming. Absolutely. But I'll tell you, language barrier or not, they still pressed the cops. They were like, yeah, what is happening? Why don't you have yeah. any more information? And the truth is the cops are like, um, we're just as confused as you. We don't. We don't know. We know that Jesus saves, but we don't know yeah, and much but else. We don't know. Yeah. So then, you know, Mr. of this mustache takes me hours to groom was like, <laughs> I mean, we don't have leads. And, you know, and listen, he makes it sound like this has never happened before. And we've learned over time. This happens a lot where people don't know where to go. There's, you know, they're they're making things up as they go along. And, you know, you don't have a. You know, the, the the phrase disappeared into thin air didn't come out of nowhere. Like, they just didn't have anywhere to go. So the family goes to the intersection where she was last seen, and she's looking at all these cars and all these people. It's a really busy intersection. I Google Earthed it today, and my first idea was, how did nobody see anything? It's wild. How? Yeah. How, how is that possible? I mean... I know that that's the point of disappeared. You know, we're like, what yeah. happened? But I'm truly like, no, really, what the fuck happened? Yeah. At 1.30 in the afternoon on a, alongside a busy highway. So the police go through her phone. They call every single person that she had texted or called and vice versa. Doesn't produce any leads. And the cops say there truly is no moment, no clues, nothing that points us in any direction. So we have nothing to go on. Yeah. So April 30th, 2015, we get a smash cut to a news story it's actually very awful and really insensitive writing. Like, Utah, please be better with the way you phrase statements. Disgusting. Yeah, they say... Investigators still left with many unanswered questions tonight as they try to determine who was left for dead and stuffed inside a suitcase off I-80. Like... I get that you're the nightly news and you probably don't have like real crackerjack writers on your staff, yeah. but you're talking about a person, a human being. Maybe let's just be a little bit more sensitive with our language. You get one star on my Yelp review. Yeah, of because life. I promise you, if you were reporting on someone that you knew and loved or had a relationship with, you wouldn't be using that term. But it turns yeah. out a body was found in a suitcase off the highway. And shortly after hearing this on the news, Detective Darren gets a call from an investigator in a neighboring county who says, you might want to come check this out as this person who we found is a Hispanic female. And I got chills. Yeah. 
Now, prepare to be sick of me. Yeah. Because this Ben Stiller in Dodgeball mustache dude cop man. (laughs) Now, listen, he gets this call from another detective and, you know, they repeat that phrase. And then he says, it could be your girl. Now, he isn't a bad guy. He just keeps saying really insensitive things. But, sir, she's 26. She's a fucking woman. She's a highly educated, fucking beautiful woman. And she's missing. I know I'm coming down hard on you, but that phrase... That flames on the side of my face, burning, heaving, breathless flames. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. That might be your girl. It was like a trophy. Oh, no, it I just understand really, what you're saying. Really well, honestly, me. the thing that irritated me was that he was like, well, we wanted to give them a heads up. And I'm like, do not call me until you know for sure. I don't want you to tease me with information. Well, not even tease me. That I mean, that, that, that would be a horrible thing to hear. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Call me when you know for sure. Exactly. So they identify this body through some scars and some tattoos, and it wasn't Elizabeth. No. So now at this point in the investigation and the search, they have raised the reward due to some private donations to $50,000. Now, with that kind of money, honey, the tips come rolling in and the money kept rolling in, (laughs) which people are gross. Then... One evening, around seven weeks after his niece's disappearance, Rosenberg receives a call that makes his heart race. So they called me and told me that they had Elizabeth. And I was grateful that we were going to be able to see her again. And then they said, but before we actually give you Elizabeth, we need money. And I didn't even hesitate. Rosenberg races to the bank, ready to meet the demands. Uncle Rosenberg says, I didn't even hesitate. I drove to the bank to get the cash. And while he's heading there, Uh. he calls the detective to tell him about the phone call. And the detective is like, do not give them the money, bro. Do Uh. not. This is someone. This could be someone fucking with you. And they're about to rob you blind. I know you want Elizabeth back, but let us check this out first. And they trace it to an abandoned house and a bunch of fucking disgusting garbage people who are trying to be opportunists. I can't. I. I what I, is wrong with uh, people? Yeah, I, I want those kind of people to go inside the sun. Truly. Oh, absolutely. To those bastards, I say, I hope you wake up and your dicks fall off into the toilet as you are flushing and you are forced to watch it disappear into the sewage where it belongs, <laughs> you dickless piece of shit. I mean. Yeah. Ugh. In an effort to widen the scope of the investigation... Detective Ringel reaches out to the Utah Attorney General's office. They deal with a lot of the sex trafficking within the state and now the state. So information in the beginning went out to all the different agencies with her picture and information on it. Since his daughter's safe return, Ed Smart has researched and advocated against human trafficking. So they look towards the idea that Elizabeth might have been trafficked. And then Detective I Get All the Ladies with this Stash says... <laughs> Jesus. trafficking isn't common in Provo it's so safe yeah listen I get it with any kind of atrocious crime it is easy to operate under the false assumption that something so scary could never happen to you could never happen in your own backyard Moreover, it is very difficult to get accurate statistics of trafficking. And this is some side research that I found with a quick click of the Google machine. March 2022, a total of 21 people were arrested during an investigation of a sex trafficking operation. During the course of the operation, they also found three women who were being forced into sex work and being trafficked through social media platforms. Ask me where it was. Where? 
Lehigh, Utah. Ask me how close Lehigh, Utah is to Provo. How how close is Lehigh to Provo? 22 minutes. Shut the fuck up. Listen, she was not trafficked that we know. However, say, well, that doesn't happen. Say, when somebody says that kind of stuff doesn't happen here, I could go through the roof. I could shoot myself onto 8th Avenue. I get so mad. <laughs> well, this guy is a few French fries short of a Happy Meal, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And also, I think that they're just trying to cover their tracks because they did a shitty job on this investigation. They really And did. we see it all the time on Disappeared. That, that, that yeah. The cops show up and they've mansplained the world to us. And it's really like, bro, you dropped the fucking ball. I mean, I could go on and on about those cops in North Charleston who handled the Brandy Hanna case, like those fucking idiots. Yeah. So, yeah. And so now the investigators are running out of leads. Surprise, surprise. And they do what they always do when this happens. They focus on the people closest to the victim. And in this case, it's Elizabeth's uncles. Now, these two men, they seem desperately sad and truly grief stricken. But yes check everything. Now, they give them a voice analysis test. They bring in the FBI for a polygraph. You know, maybe they know something. Now, oftentimes, a lot of times they don't release these results, but they tell us Rudy's results were inconclusive and Rosenberg fails. Now, they insist they have nothing to do with this. Now, I have made my stance on polygraphs very clear. Yes, We might as well use a fucking magic eight ball for all I care. And anyone who has interest in, you know, justice or, you know, true crime is very aware of the fact that, you know, polygraphs are unreliable. Now, not to mention these men, their second language is English. Yeah. Now, both men spoke English on camera during the episode and their English was really good. But Spanish is their first language. And sometimes even, you know, words can be misconstrued or misunderstood. I struggle with the English language and it's my first, you know? Yeah, totally. So I did have to look this up just for verification because they didn't say it in the episode. The polygraph was given in English. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, of course it was. You know what? Also, guess what, you dumb fucks? They're under so much stress. They they haven't eaten. They haven't slept alongside their family. They've been stressed. So, of course, he failed the poly. Of course he did. Yeah, and... You know, they had an accent and some words don't translate. I mean, if, you know, if you took a poly, they wouldn't have a swamp translator. You know, they don't they don't have those kinds of translators on hand because I've known you for 12 years. And there are some words I'm still like, come on, what now? Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, yet you keep coming back for more. I don't hear you complaining too much. You keep FaceTiming me, calling me, texting me, messaging me. So you must be doing just fine with my accent. <laughs> You know my history with abusive men. Anyway. (laughs) How dare you? Although Detective Ringel's concerns about Elizabeth's uncles are put to rest, the polygraph results are made public with damaging repercussions. This situation is killing us little by little with this stress that they still say that. How dare you to even think that we're going to do this to our knees? We're going through a very hard pain and that is not fair to us. I mean, listen, they do all the things that they do. They check the uncle's phones. They ping them. They do what they do. And both men are cleared. Yeah. And you look at this family and you can see the agony. You can really see the distress in their face. And they, they're ready to do anything for, you know, their need. You can just tell their world has been shattered. Absolutely. Honestly, the whole family. And it is said and it is speculated that a lot of the search efforts kind of fizzled after the uncle's names were brought into the investigation, which is very sad. And the donations. So, uh, yes, yeah, so so it's Elizabeth who suffers for it. It's really yeah. fucked up. So a year passes since Elizabeth's disappearance and there are no new leads. 
Mom Libertad has remained in Utah searching and asking people yeah. who walk by if they've seen her daughter. It's it's so heartbreaking. Uh, this woman is not giving up. Yeah. I can't even imagine the emotional toll that it has taken on her and the family. And, and Elizabeth and Ed Smart, they, they remain loyal to the family, do their best to aid in the search for Elizabeth and to keep her face out in the public eye. Yeah, and to keep hope alive. And about 14 months pass and... Libertad has to go back to Mexico. And then Elizabeth's sisters try to get a visa and they're denied, denied access into the United States. Now, U-Turn Mustache over there says there's been over 300 tips and they feel like they've really checked into every single one and they've exhausted all leads. And sadly, there is nothing. Yeah. So this would be the time... I just got choked up. I know. This would be the time when I would normally give a number to see if any of you have information regarding the disappearance of Elizabeth Salgado. Yeah. However, on May 18th, 2018, three years after she went missing, the disappearance of Elizabeth turned into the homicide investigation as her remains were found. Yeah. So they were found in a canyon really off the road and it was in an area that you would really have to be, you wouldn't find by being on any, you know, well-traveled trail. They used dental records in order to identify Elizabeth Elena Salgado. The manner of her death is not known at this time. And there was some interesting movement in the case March of this year The Salgado family were requesting a different DNA laboratory to review her remains. This is an open homicide case. So if you do have any information regarding this case, please contact the Utah County Sheriff's Office at 801-851-4000. What do you think happened to her? I absolutely think it was someone that she knew. Yeah, it it, it has to be. She was only there for... Three weeks. I mean, the chances that someone pulled up and snatched her at 1.30 in the afternoon, put her in a van, drove away, and no one saw anything, she had to have gone willingly, either very innocently or maybe somebody threatened her. You know, I I think if someone were, if anyone knew how close she was to her family and threatened, you know, I will hurt your family or I've hurt your family or your family in Mexico is in distress. Yeah. Um, She was very intelligent, but that doesn't mean she, you know, she was probably very trusting of people. She felt safe there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That sounds, I mean, yeah, that seems, that seems very plausible. I'm so sad. I mean, it's so sad. And I'm so, I'm so heartbroken for her family. It's very sad. Yeah. Say something funny. Well, all this talk of mustaches, uh, you interested in a mustache ride? A mustache what? A mustache ride? What is that? Think about it, Yellen Marsh. I don't get it. Do you want to sit on my face? <laughs> oh my God! Just <laughs> That poor baby, oh and my you God. are an absolute gargoyle. Yes, we already oh, knew that. We did it, everyone. We love you so much. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you follow us on all of our social media. Joey, tell them where they can find us. You can find us on Instagram at the Disappeared Pod. You can also find us on TikTok at the Disappeared Pod. You can find me on Instagram at it's Joey Taranto and Yellen Marsh. You can find me at Ellen Marsh on pretty much everything. 
You can also join our Facebook group. That is where we do all the fun stuff, the chats, and ask you all the questions. We get to see all of your pictures, and you mostly all just troll us, which is pretty, which is pretty <laughs> fun for you all, I guess. I mean. And that Facebook group is the Obsessed with Disappeared podcast discussion group. We would love to see I you I noticed there. that you stopped asking me to say it. You've stopped asking me I, to say I, it. Because I know you can do it, honey. No. You've I've, proven yeah. yourself. You're like, I don't have you 15 p- minutes to watch you try to sort it out in that brain of yours. Yeah, I don't have all day. Um, <laughs> he, he's on swamp time, and, and I got to go. Okay. Uh, we all love right. you so We love much. you. We can't wait to see you at Obsessed Fest, and we have a lot of fun announcements coming your way very, very soon. Join us on the Patreon. We will be announcing our next series very soon. It is chosen by down bitches, for down bitches, by down bitches. I don't know. That just came out. All That's right, solid that, work. I'm here for it. There we go. It. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what else do you want to say? Tell them goodbye. Tell them we love them. I love you. And I, once again, if you are in San Diego and you're coming to see my show, Lempika, please let me know so I can say hi to you afterward, give you a hug, take a picture, whatever you want. Oh, please go see him and send a hug from me to I love you, Joey. (laughs) I love you, too. And I love all of you listeners, baby. We love you. Bye. So Uncle Rudy goes back to the apartment complex and speaks with Elizabeth. And speaks with Elizabeth. Wow. Wow. Elizabeth. Joey, how many things in my house have you put together? Way too many things. The only thing I haven't put together yet is your life. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I'm glad we worked through that. So back to the day of her disappearance. (laughs) Back to disappeared. (laughs) One, two, three. Okay. That was right on it. I don't hear your shit. (laughs) 